Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Sheila Shoiga, and welcome to Ready to Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort, or simply entertain you. This week, I chat to TV maestro Baz Ashmawi. I think that's what's important, especially when you look at social media and things like that. A lot of a lot of the time, there's this urge to project uh, a really amazing family life and lovely home and da da da. And I, there's, there's something in me that always just thinks. I think the honesty of real, real life is different. Yeah. You know, like you, the school runs and all that, where you're sitting in the car and they're, you know. They're annoying you and they're, you know, what's your favourite colour? And you're like, you know, I'm 45, I don't give a flying <laughs> fuck about colours, Mahi, really, you know, can we move on? Do you know, like, there's there's elements of that, like, where, where you know, you just got to be, you could just got to be honest about it. Yeah. And, and I think the more people are honest on social media and things like that, the better effect it will have on, on everyone, really, you know. Baz is one of my absolute favourite people in telly. What you see is what you get. He's genuine, funny and decent to the core. Having had huge success in his career, it hasn't always been a smooth road for him. Nine years ago, life was really tough. He underwent double lung surgery and around the same time, Irish TV stations had no interest in even meeting with him to discuss ideas. But despite it all, he kept working and creating and knocking on doors and it certainly paid off in the end. He pitched his show 50 Ways to Kill Your Mammy with his adorable mam Nancy to Sky TV. They went on to win an Emmy Award and the TV format has now been sold all around the world. He lives in Rathmines with his wife Tanya and their six kids. And in this conversation, we talk about the kids going back to school, imposter syndrome, the power of manifestation, faking an appendectomy and plenty more. By the way, I record my chats in a studio in Dublin City Centre, so expect to hear a few sirens during this episode. Here it is. So let's talk about the last few months 
of mentalness. Do we have to? I know. <laughs> Do we have to? Yeah. Did it really happen? Yeah, yeah. It's a bit. It's like being interfered with in your sleep. You're like, did that? Did that really happen? Or did I imagine all that? It's been a blur, really. I, it's not so bad since I got back to work. Yeah. But that that initial three months, like the first three weeks, I think I'd mentioned to you that. I just sat on the couch and stuffed my face. I didn't even realize what was going on. Like I was seriously in shock. Oh my God, it was like flip top head. <laughs> and I don't usually, I don't usually shovel food. Like I love food, but not, not sweet things. But every night I was just like biscuits every night, every night, like packets. And, and we had actually a hoard of food because everyone thought it was the, the apocalypse or yeah, something. Didn't it? it was like a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> we had food everywhere and people were complaining. Go, look at these nutcases all storing food. And we had so much food stored. And uh, we keep making pasta bakes now because we're still trying to use up the pasta we bought. Do you know the only thing that came out of it? I, I, Tanya, obviously, it comes from a kind of chef and background. She, she used to cater for movie sets and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and I never cook. And any time I have, I was very highly criticized size so it really put me off it but I really got into cooking and that okay. didn't that didn't help my fatness either <laughs> so it was me doing these like pasta dishes every night and I think I'd had a, a Donald Scanlon a couple of his books <laughs> so they got dusted off and I started using them and I just, just kind of fell in love with cooking a bit you know oh, that's brilliant yeah yeah it was the only the only positive thing that kind of came out of those initial month or two months you know and do you think that'll stick and stay with you I've really enjoyed it now I have cool. yeah 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 and even Actually, I got to a stage where I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror and I was like, that's it. So I would have sold one of the kids for a set of 15 kilo dumbbells. <laughs> I was that desperate. So I, I found a spin bike in the corner of the room and I and, and it was like finding the, 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 some ancient treasure. And I, I started using that and eventually got back to a kind of normality. But that was the only thing that got me through was the 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 because you're so connected with your your mental and your your physical is is so yeah. connected that I I knew myself once I get my physical kind of going my mental will come gradually with it. <clears throat> yeah, because you had a good routine before, didn't mm. you, with the gym and everything? I I, I, I this is me all over. I, I I train really hard and intensely for a certain period of time. Yeah, okay. And then I I I again catch myself and go, God, I look great. I don't look that great, but in my own in my own narcissistic view of myself, I think I look great. And then it slips. Yeah. And then I get myself to a really bad state. And it, it's been this cycle since I hit my mid kind of thirties. It's been this cycle of getting really fit, looking really well. And I mean, going up three stone and down three stone and, uh, you know, like huge amounts of weight, like really fluctuating. But yeah, yeah, yeah. that's just how I do it, you know. It's common. Like a lot of us are like that all or nothing, you know, and you, you just go hell for leather. And then that's the thing. You get to a point when you're starting to like <laughs> all the efforts paying off. Do you know what's you just, just so underrated is, yeah. is walking. Mm. Now, we have a dog now. So just walking the dog has given me probably more enjoyment than any gym sessions that I've ever done. Now, I have a great, I have a great guy that I train with, um, Ant and Ali Lynch. I train with them and they're brilliant. But just walking the dog yeah. for my headspace and for my alone time, like he was my savior during the pandemic. Yeah. She was like, you have to walk the dog again. And I was like, I'm fucking on. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting away from you lot. But that's what I was feeling. I was like, I have to do this for my head. I, yeah. And it was so good. It was great. And I'm still kind of, uh, you know, every day I just get that hour and a half or hour walk in with the dog and I love it, you know. So how many are at home now then? 
It's you, Tanya, and... It's me, Tanya. We have a very weird setup at home at the moment. There's me, Tanya. There's the little two, Hannah and Mahi, who are seven and ten. And then there's... Jake was there and Amelia, but Jake has now gone off to boarding school. He just went back this week. Um, and then his older brother is like the prodigal son, Harry, and he's arrived back now. And his sister has is still out of the house. So there's four at home. No, four at home now. There was five and now yeah, there's yeah, four, yeah, gotcha. four this week. Yeah. And then uh, I think since Charlotte moved out, I see more of her now. Every okay. time I, I get home, she's in a dressing gown sitting <laughs> on, the, on the couch and I'm going, did you not leave? Was there not a big going away bash and all that? Uh, and I was giving you big inspirational life pats on the back and everything. <laughs> and now you're back here all the time. But but that's having a big family, I suppose, you know. I suppose you're, you have the best of both worlds because, you know, the older ones and then the younger ones. And it's, you know, it's the magic of the younger ones alongside the, you'd like to think maybe a bit of maturity of the older you'd ones You'd think that, you'd think that. <laughs> but it, it, it's wonderful in one sense and in another sense, I feel for Tanya quite a lot as well because it's a lot of people pulling out of you. You think you get your kids to a certain age and then, you know, they won't need you as much or maybe you won't worry about them in the same way. It's actually easier when they go to bed, when you tell them to go to bed and you know where they are and they're all they're all under one roof. When you're a parent, do you ever do you ever sleep soundly again then? Is it is it just a given that from the moment a kid or kids are in your life that this is the gig now? Do you know it's awful? I sleep great. Do you? The missus is up all night. She hears everything and worries about everything and I just don't. Yeah. I I maybe it's because I've lived a kind of life where I've um I've done a lot of crazy things. I've never really evaluated risk I've always thought the experience of doing things is so important and part of your development as a as a as a person and a being um that you got to savor as much of life as you can and and I don't particularly I'm not a worrier I'm just not a, a worrier naturally you know I'm more the 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 other side of it, you know, I'm the voice of kind of not reason, but I we're two comp- you got to understand myself and Tanya are complete complete opposites. Yeah. In every sense, you know, we don't like the same movies. We don't like the same kind of music. Uh, our parenting styles are very different. Um, uh, we're just very different people. And it kind of works mm. for us because uh, I think in the end, the children get some form of balance. You know, they, they get some kind of equilibrium to their the parenting that they get, you know. But I'm not really a worrier. I don't. I don't. Um, thankfully, because I don't think it's a choice. I think you're either like that or you're not, you know, and I tend just not to be, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it great that despite all your differences that you're able to compromise and, and work together? And I think a lot of couples are. I mean, myself. I'll tell you and, what's and, great, yeah. Sheila. It's great that I didn't bury her under the patio <laughs> during a uh, lockdown for three months. That's what's amazing to me, because <laughs> there was times at, 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 the, at the start where, you know, where you're eyeballing each other across the room. I thought, oh, my God, this is like living with a new cellmate. <laughs> I don't think we're going to make this. You know what I mean? One of us is going to go down and I'm six foot two. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm back in me. But but it is it's surprising how how sometimes, you know, someone who who maybe you're very different and maybe that's what it is. I get different things from her. She's she's taught me a lot about discipline and thinking forward and, and being sensible and and rational and, and planning. And, you know, and um, she's a kind of rock like that. She's she's the, the matriarch of our family. Yes. You know, it doesn't really work without her if I'm honest with you you yeah, know yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I think I bring I soften her a little 
you know, I'm I'm uh, I'm more lenient and understanding towards maybe things that the kids do, and I I kind of soften her and I bring her down a little bit, you know, from being that kind of like she was very strict. I remember when when I first got with her, <laughs> when I first got with Tanya, the kids the kids used to go to bed at six and she'd tell them it was seven, and the sun would be blaring through the window <laughs> and I'd be like, really? Could, can they not stay up an extra hour? And she was like, no, no. <laughs> they, they did exactly what she said all the you know what I mean they were like like little soldiers and I I, I ruined that slightly by by creating this looser atmosphere which she would complain about but I, I think it changed the dynamic of the house a little bit you so know? has she changed then in the time you've been together I I think so yeah yeah I think she's and uh, you've probably changed too by absolutely her. Yeah, I th- yeah, yeah. do you know what I think if you look at the person you were you know, if you're not changing, there's something wrong going on, you know, like you, you we're all not the person we were when we were 21 or 31 or Big God time. forbid. Now I'm into my mid 40s, you know, not even when I was 40, you know, you, you're constantly trying to evolve and, and be become the maybe the best version of yourself. But that takes a it takes a lot of work, doesn't mm. it? You know, it, it takes a lot of looking in the mirror. But I think that's what the pandemic did for a lot of people. You know, Absolutely. you're kind of forced to catch your reflection and go, God, I'm you know, maybe I don't spend enough time with my kids or, you know, maybe I work too hard. And it's that vicious circle of your work life balance. You know, what you think is important. You know, you got work, I work really hard and then I can buy them that coat and then they can go to that school and then they can do this. And and then all the time you're you're working to give them these things. But the cost of that eventually is that they don't get to see you as much. Mm. And and then you have to ask yourself, well, re- like, does that coat really matter? Does is that important or would it be more important that I was reading stories to her tonight. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, you're kind of faced with that reality, especially I'm a workaholic as well, which isn't a good, uh, a good mix. But I have this, this, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a feeling of responsibility or I'm trying to prove something. I think, I think a lot of people who do what we do for a living suffer from imposter syndrome. Yes, big you time. Know? Yeah, it's this feeling that you're constantly going to be found out that you're not as good as you're pretending to be to everybody, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's why uh, I'm dragging you into my home there with me. No, but, but you're right. It's yeah. that constant validation mm. for, am I great? Am I good? And am I doing this well? And, you know, and, and for me, I don't know whether I'm trying to prove it to myself or I'm trying to prove something regarding to my kids about, you know, working hard and, 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 yeah, I don't know. It's it's some kind of it's some some need to to succeed or something. I don't know what it is. It's 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 funny. I wonder does it stem from, you know, a time in your life that was tough where, you know, things didn't weren't going according to plan and you, so you know what it's like to have those down days. And, you know, we've spoken about this separate to the mics here that the time frame for shit things in my life mm. was very similar to you. It was 2011 that I was diagnosed with cancer and the stuff that happened in the following year where I went through a breakup, I lost my job. So life wasn't really brilliant for me. And that was a similar time for you where just a lot of stuff was coming at you thick and fast. Mm. And you had all these brilliant ideas, but people were maybe not sitting down to have the meeting. But you did, despite the imposter syndrome, deep down, you did believe in yourself. You did believe in your ideas. I think what happens somewhere along the way is that you get you get beaten down um, and you either you either kind of curl up or run away or 
you get up and you go at it again. And I, I'm not just talking professionally, emotionally. And, you know, it, it's just it's just this mountain I seem to face every every now and then because life is snakes and ladders. Yes, that's what that's what it is. You think you're doing great and everything's wonderful. And uh, out of left field, something just you, unpredictable, something you just can't control happens and everything changes everything, you know. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're back up again. This is why Nancy is very like a hero to me, right? Because mm. she has this balance where she never gets too high or never gets low. Mm. She's just she's so content in who she is. And I've watched her throughout my life be like that. And it's something I strive towards because I'm quite an I don't mean egotistical in a in a immensely negative way, but I have an ego and things affect me. You know, I, I, you'd meet people and you want to be a success and you want to, you know, you want to be these things. And then, uh, like I say, you realize things happen. And then all of a sudden you realize that they didn't really matter as much as you thought they were. Mm. I, I heard Matt Damon recently saying about winning an Oscar for Goodwill Hunting. Mm. And he was saying that the greatest thing that came out of it was after the awards. He was back in his girlfriend's house at the time and he was sitting with the with the Oscar on the table and he went, can't thank God I found out what it feels like to win one because some people strive their whole life. Their whole life ambition is to get one of these. And it's it's a lump of metal. Mm. Like, yeah, it opened doors and, and does stuff, but it's not what you think it might be. You know, it's not. And I always because always people ask me, Emmy, what's yeah, yeah. the Emmy? Emmy? And it's the same. It was great. It was a nice night. My ma was in New York in a nice frock. Um, you know, Michael Douglas was a little too close for comfort, in my opinion. But, <laughs> but, 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 but in general, it was, it was just a night. It was just a good night out. You yeah. know, like it was. It wasn't what people romanticize about. You know, it wasn't that. It was just it was just a night, you know. But the way you speak about your mom, that she is kind of she has her priorities right. She has the balance right. But maybe you do, too, that you weren't you weren't swept up in in, you know, adoring this award, this this piece of metal, as, as you described it, like that you realize that actually it's, it's not really about that. Yes, it's it's an amazing achievement. And as you said, people strive their entire lives to get some sort of acknowledgement, but that it was you'd already, I suppose, just being there regardless of winning or not, you know, wow, what an achievement that was in itself. Yeah, do you know, like it just it just wasn't what I, I, I thought it would be. And yeah. when I talk to people and they ask me about it, because they always ask, because that's how you're nearly introduced sometimes, you know. Emmy um, Award winning. Um, but yeah. but it, it's it's just not what you think it is. Mm. You know, it's it's really it's really not, you know, but but um, but but that's 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 how it is. You know, that's, and, it, and is it because of those times, you know, as we spoke about, those hard times that now you have this constant striving for, you know, moving ahead, providing. Is it because, I suppose what I'm trying to get at is, is it more to do with Baz the dad, Baz the provider, that you want to be able to provide for your family because you know that sometimes the rug can be pulled out from underneath you, as it has been with COVID. Like a lot of our work schedules just went by the wayside. Absolutely. So it is that kind of... Do you know, So it's, it's funny, Sheila, someone said to me before, it was a question I was asked, if laughter wasn't the best medicine, mm. what would it be? And I was like being humbled. Yeah. Being humbled. 
because there was a stage where I was very, very cocky. And like you say, the rug was taken out from underneath me. And all of a sudden there was nothing. There was no work. There was no respect uh, of the community of people that I knew and worked with peers and things like that. None of them wanted to touch me. No one would come near me. And, you know, when you face that kind of realization that, oh my God, like it's either I believe in me or no one believes in me. Mm. Like when you face that, that desperation. And I think Hannah was only, God, Hannah was only two or three then. And Tanya was pregnant with Mahi, uh, who's now seven. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think the kids, I was just like, I can't, I can't just, I'm not going to give up. They're just not going to give up. There's just not going to happen. I don't know how to do anything else. This is what I've, I've since I was an eight year old boy standing on a stage, listening to me granny laughing in an audience. This is all I've ever wanted to do. Do you get me? Like, there's not, there's just no other option. So I was like, I'll give myself a year to make it work. And if after a year it doesn't happen, man, I'll go back. I'll do. I was a recruitment consultant for seven years. I'll go back and do that. I'll do. I'll do whatever it takes to make a living for my family. You know. But but you have to ask yourself some deep questions. You know, you have to look yourself in the mirror and just say to yourself, look, where am I at and what am I going? Yeah. And you have to be realistic. You know, you have to be realistic. And what I found weird was the people around me, the people you think are the ones that are going to go, you'll do it, you'll do it. They're not. And that's not a bad thing, but they're just not always they're not always the ones that are going to pull you through it. Sometimes you're just on, on your own in that sense. We're all individuals as well as we are, you know, a couple. Yeah. Sometimes when you're in a couple, you identify as, oh, look, you know, it's Baz and Tanya. Or it's not that. And, and sometimes it just dilutes down to you. Mm. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to change this? And you have to. And it's, that, it's kind of back to that thing again of, you know, you shouldn't rely on other people for your happiness. You can't. A lot yeah. of people do that. They think, oh, he doesn't make me happy. No, no, no. It's about you. You make you happy. And if mm. you make you happy, then everyone around you will be happy. That's I've learned that, you know, you can't you can't blame people. You can't you you know what you signed up for with people, you know, but it really comes down to you. You're your own person. You're managing your own little dinghy here. We're all individuals as well. And you've got to make it work for you. You know, I think. I'm just loving what you're saying. And I, I'm just I got goosebumps there when you were talking about, <laughs> no, seriously, that, you you know, because for somebody else or anyone else, they could have easily just said, this is too fucking hard and I'm just going to get another job because it's too hard because I, I know I felt the sting of rejection as well. And and it, it is hard to keep going. But the fact that you deep down you, I'm, I'm not going to give in. I'm just going to, I'm going to uh, fair enough, you gave yourself a timeline, but you didn't give in. And I think. That just shows serious inner courage, I suppose. And the fact that your message is all about trusting that voice inside, because oftentimes, you know, it's easy to kind of fall into the victim mode. And, and there's a time and a place where sometimes, you know, all you want to do is pull the duvet over your head and say, Jesus, this is a shit day. Being that soldier too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still have those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's OK. But that's, you don't stay in it. You can't. You can't stay in it. That's the that's the whole point of it. You know, and, and you know, you could you could send me something. I've realised this. I can send you, say I have a podcast and I send you an episode and I go, Sheila, what do you think of this? And I send it to five different people. I get five different opinions. They'll all tell me something different. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you kind of got to go with your gut. And sometimes people don't want to be the one making their own decisions. That's human nature in us. You know, we want someone just to confirm what we feel, but sometimes they're not going to confirm what you feel. And you're left making that decision yourself. And same with parenting. 
you know you, you'll hear loads of different people parenting this way and that way and what's the best and like I know my parenting style probably isn't the best I, I, I'm very aware of that you know like I curse in front of the kids and they listen to all types of craziness and Jesus I let them watch Twilight for God's sake like I couldn't <laughs> believe it it was the worst move ever I don't know what they caught me on a bad day I let them watch Twilight and now all I hear is mm. <laughs> they're obsessed with kissing and boys and I'm like oh God almighty but but at the same time I also know what I give them do you get me? I know, I know the importance of what I do give them and it kind of outweighs my bad parenting is, is I think, I think, you know. Well, Baz, I think it's safe to say, well, for me anyway, for me watching you and I, I know we like we've known each other, bumped into each other loads of times down through the years. But the warmth that we feel watching your Insta story is exactly what you get in reality. And there's no doubt about it. The way you, you, you take the piss out of Tanya and have the crack with the kids, you do that because there's so much love there. There's so much just genuine. I just, yes, they're driving me bloody mental, but I love the bones of them. Yeah, but I think I think we're all like that. Yeah. You know, I think we're, I think that's what's important, especially when you look at social media and things like that. A lot of, a lot of the time, there's this urge to project uh, a really amazing family life and lovely home and da, da, da. And I, there's just something in me that always just thinks, I think the honesty of real real life is different yeah you know like you, the school runs and all that where you're sitting in the car and they're you know they're annoying you and they're you know what's your favorite color and you're like you know i'm 45 i don't give a fine <laughs> fuck about colors my really you know can we move on do you know like there's there's elements of that like where where you know you just gotta be you could just gotta be honest about it yeah. and, and i think the more people are honest on social media and things like that the better effect it will have on on everyone really you know so let's talk about the back to school because our little man is three so he started school for the first time neither last week and you know i was i was as kind of your stereotypical mum of a little person going off for the first time oh, I was yeah bawling stop. yeah all of that you on the other I was the polar <laughs> opposite my missus was in the car going are you worried about COVID I was like yeah I'm worried about COVID and meanwhile I'm literally booting them out the car <laughs> going listen this isn't going to work for me I, like you you need to leave here for <laughs> numerous hours every day or I will end you in a Joe Pesci style Goodfellas um, like <laughs> honestly, I was just like, no, no way, like no, no, no way, you know. But, but getting them back, I'll tell you what it is. You see, school for me, school for me was so instrumental in my life and what I ended up doing. And mm. I don't mean academically because I bunked off. I went through five different secondary schools. I was just always in trouble, not for anything particularly bad, just an idiot who always got caught. I was that kid and just didn't care enough. But but I learned how to verbally spar with people. I learned how to make friends. My friends are still my friends from when I was a kid. Like my best friend is still my best friend since we were, you know, little, Brilliant. you know. So so um, that, those relationships they make. And, you know, I just thought them hanging around with me and Tanya for six months every day. Forget it. Like, listen, I, I just want them to go into school. Maybe I'd be delighted if I get a little call saying they got in trouble or something <laughs> like that. You know, just be kids again. Be kids. Just be kids again. Yeah. And, and, you know, the schooling and education and all that stuff that will come back. But um, but it's so important just to get them back into some form of routine where, you know, they're they're just seeing their pals. And they were mm. actually upset before they were going back. They didn't want to. And there was an element, especially with Mahi, who's only like seven, where... I felt it was a little bit like Stockholm syndrome or something where she'd just been stuck with us so long. She didn't 
know how to not be with us. Yeah. You know, and then I saw her bounce back the other day. I brought her shopping for some school clothes. We brought her like Lisa Simpson vans and mm. she was all excited. And then she went in, saw all her mates and, and all of a sudden it was all gone. She was back to normal. I was like, thank God, that's that's what I want. Now, how long they'll be back in school for is another question. But fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. One, of the, one of the things as well that you did um, during the, the period of lockdown, which was so hugely helpful, where you did these videos with your friend, Dr. Paddy Mallon, who is the, is he the head of infectious diseases in Vincent's? Yeah, he yeah. He's a lecturer in UCD as well. He's incredible. It. Yeah. And and I think, he, you know, he's, he's such a calm demeanor, but, you know, you ask the right questions and every time you sat down to have a chat, I just took so much from it. And it was the perfect timing, your most recent one. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. One was the whole kids going back to school yeah. and we've had a lot of fear about it we've had a lot of anxiety are we doing the right thing some people were messaging me asking me are you going to send your little boy and, mm-hmm. and I, I'm still on the fence about it and all the rest but we've done the right thing have we? I think I think so I think I think I don't like the reality not to get bogged down or, or negative about everything that's going on but I suppose there's an element that you know, maybe some people talk come, you know, the December, the end of December and it'd be New Year and then everything will change overnight into New Year. Uh, maybe the reality is that maybe this is even with a with a, a cure or a vaccine that you're still talking like a year, two years. You know, this could yeah. be for a little while. You know, this this could be what it is and mm. if that's the case then there's no holding your kids back from school is there you know yeah. they, they've got a kids are very adaptable you know they are they, they, they you grow up and what's normal to you is normal that's it so if you sit in class and you're seven years old and all your friends wear masks and you're all pulling faces at each other and you, you know, that's what's normal yeah to you. yeah you've hit you know, it's, it's unusual to us mm. we think it's off and we're thinking of our kids and everything else but but kids adapt really well, you know, they, they I, I'm not as worried about them as I am about the mentality of other people, you know, um, I think it's um, and just from what Paddy said, it's funny because the last one, you usually have this overwhelming feeling of positivity when I talk to Paddy because he's very matter of fact and he explains everything really well. Like and he's it's very digestible. 
but the last one wasn't as as I didn't come out going bouncing out of it going we're going to be grand you know I just kind of came out kind of going okay well I know the facts I know what's going to happen look it is going to he, and he even said it he called it he said look schools are going to close some schools are going to close they're going to find their feet they'll reopen you know we'll find a way and that's the truth we'll find a way we'll, we'll always find a way but for whatever your profession is or whatever you do we, we might just have to rethink things and how we're going to make things work. And, you know, mm. it's it's just going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit suck it and see for a while, yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah. kind of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suppose, as you said, like in accepting it, that this is the gig now, it's probably that if we haven't already done it, we really need to get there because it is here, like, and it's going to be here for some time. Our last episode of, of this podcast, we had, I spoke to Professor Luke O'Neill and, and, and exactly what you said. That's why I was agreeing with what you said there. But just in case, you know, people are hearing this for the first time, what you've just said there, it was sort of kind of new to me until Luke mm-hmm. said it to me that for, particularly for smallies, they will really actually adapt to this pretty OK, which is reassuring to a sense. It's more the the late teens, the early 20s. That's yeah. more like I've a lad doing his leave insert this year. Yeah. Him, I feel for him like because and he's he's got his head well screwed on. Mm. Like he's literally like he he's very focused and very, you know, um, his sister on the other hand, <laughs> she's in fifth year and her. I'm like, oh, God, you know, I like I faked my own appendix to get out of school <laughs> in boarding you? school. Honestly, <laughs> and honestly, and they they fucking took it out, right? What? Honestly, yeah. I went. Oh, I asked one of the lads in class, oh, "Where's your Where's your appendix?" And he was like, "There." And I was like, "Oh, sir, I've got no brother. Brother, it was all Franciscan monks." So I was like, "Oh, brother, I've got enough pain in me here." And they brought me to. I don't know if I can mention the hospital. They brought me to a hospital in the Midlands <laughs> where my boarding school was. And um, I remember him checking my bladder. He was topping my bladder and I'd been to the toilet like two minutes beforehand. And he went, uh, when's the last time you, you went to the toilet? And I was like, oh, a couple of days ago. And he's like, a couple of days ago. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And your man, the brother, the headmaster was stuck beside me the whole time. So I remember the only time he left me is when I went through those flappy doors, you know, in the hospital and the nurse was putting this mask over my face. This is all true, right? And, and I remember looking looking at at the nurse and going I'm grand by the way <laughs> and, and she she just went of course I know you are you are and I was like no no I fucking am and like and I woke up gone gone no yeah they yanked them they just said we had a look you were grand but sure we were there so we took them anyway and I was like oh sweet Jesus Christ so like all you have to do to get off school now is go God I feel a bit warm uh, you know you just have to cough or do whatever you know that is the most insane story yeah so, so when I say I hated school so you didn't do your leaving no no I did that to get out of Christmas exams okay. although I, the irony of it the irony of it was I was stuck in hospital for two weeks didn't get home went straight back into a study hall and had to do the exams so just stay in school kids if you're listening you know <laughs> But um, oh my god, that is so insane. The other daughter has an element of if she can get away with it, she will. She'll try anything, you know. So, but it's hard for these older kids. It is, it's. I feel for them, and especially, you've got to think even for a certain age group. I think millennials. I think you're kind of people who finished university and are just coming out into the world a bit. And, you know, maybe they're they're at that age where they've been in the job for a little while and this is their time. This is what they predicted was their time to to flourish and to to own and to progress. Yeah. Those people are in some type of stalemate limbo 
where nothing is really happening and and they're just kind of lost. It's them I them I feel for the most yeah, more yeah, than anyone yeah. else, you know, because for them it's it must be very very hard mentally to k- pick themselves up and go why did this happen now? This is this is my moment, you know. With your wealth of experience and all you've been through, what would you say to them? Do you know what I mean? If somebody's listening now and they're at, in that kind of age bracket where it all is feeling like what the hell is happening? And we're all feeling it, but it depends on where we're at in life. What would you say? Like, what would you say to your younger self if that was you? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I think I think it's whatever prism you decide to look at life through. Mm. Do you get me? Like, mm. it, it, it's if you I'm a big believer in manifestation, right? I, I believe yeah, brilliant. in it very much. So 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 I believe once you put it out there into the universe that this is what you're going to do and you believe in it. There's always like when we came up with 50 ways, I remember someone saying to me sure the travel format's been done they've done it all and it had I kind of I suppose to a certain element it had but it hadn't yeah it's like saying music sure there's no more new music it's music's done you know you can't say music's done there's always creativity and there's always you know there's always opportunities it mightn't be where you, you you had planned but you've got to drive forward with a level of positivity mm. because that's what you manifest Equally, if you're going to be negative and you fall into that rabbit hole of being negative, next thing, the fingers start pointing at blame. And you're entitled to do that a little bit. But after a while, either no one really gives a shit or no one's listening to you because it's just you, you know, so you've got to you've got to try and be positive. It's so important to be positive and to move forward in a positive way and give yourself options. I always I've all especially in what we do, mm. you know, like you've got to have you got to have like you've got to kick like five balls in the air and see which one you can catch, you know, like some of them won't land, but some of them will. Mm. And, you know, and I think life is like that in regards to whatever profession you're in. You just got to give yourself other options and, and see what else is available to you. You know, you got to be positive. I've always found you really inspiring. Um, which is one of the main reasons I wanted to chat to you because you're funny and you're great crack and you're warm, but you're really bloody inspiring. And as somebody, I suppose, who works in a, in a similar industry as well and uh, has my fair share of ups and downs as well, I would just look at, at what you've gone on to do. And you've done it with such a brilliant attitude. As you said, there is there is not an ounce of the victim about you. Now, even though you've said, yeah, you have your moments and all the rest, it doesn't hang around. And I think you can feel that vibe off some people, can't you? You can feel when somebody is 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 holding on to, you know, whatever it is, kind of, uh, I don't know what the word is, but it's like, you know, wanting to get back at somebody. Yeah. It's you know, the, it's and you can feel when somebody has let go of that shit too. Yeah, it's, it's, there's an element and it's a decision that you make in your head. Do you remember the Father Ted where he won the award? Yeah, yeah. And he goes, "Where are you now, Father?" And he starts <laughs> he starts gunning for people. In the like when you come out of a hole and you do well, you know, there's a moment where you think, "Well, I just give it to everyone now." Well, like, well, like, well, I send pictures of me when my Emmy to all those journals who bashed me, and you know, will you? It's pointless. It's pointless energy. It's mm. pointless energy. Mm. You know, or holding grudges or any of that stuff is just not healthy it's just not healthy stuff to hold on to and you realize that you know you realize that as you kind of get older you kind of realize that that's just nonsense that's just a waste of your time just like negative people Mm. just distance yourself from that there we i think i've spoken about it before but these kind of mood hoovers and they're people that you might be in an industry where the people around you are are 
having a bad time. I remember in sales, it was quite common where people would be like, um, you know, they'd be, you know, maybe the leads weren't great and they'd say, oh, the leads aren't great. And then someone else comes over and they go, you're right, the leads are really bad. And then another guy comes over and he goes, oh, yeah. And then a girl comes over and she goes, yeah, these leads are awful, aren't they? And, and next thing, they all start to believe that the leads are really bad, mm, right? Mm. And then I'm over on the phone, bashing the phone while they're all bitching. And I'm getting these leads, you know, and, oh, yeah. and you you just realize that these this group of people right now, they just all want to be together as a group and, and moan about how bad things are when really maybe spend that time in a more productive, positive way and something might come out of it, you know, and it's the same, same in our industry, same in whatever job you do or the people you're around sometimes. And you, you can have people in your life who you love, who can be negative. Mm. And you just have to protect yourself sometimes. That's what it is. You know, we all have friends and you go, oh, here's Johnny. And Johnny just talks. All Johnny does is talk about himself and what he does or whatever, you know. And you just have to know well, that's that's Johnny. So we'll we'll just <laughs> we'll protect ourselves at the same time, not let that seep too much into us. Yeah. Important to have people around you that inspire you. Someone told me before that it's very important to have like um, someone you mentor, um, a a peer that you're on the same level as and uh, a mentor yourself mm. someone who you, you strive to be where they are you know and that can be emotionally or professionally or whatever it is but it's good to have those figures in your life because you learn a lot from younger people yeah. they have a different attitude a different energy it gives you an energy mm. and your peers will relate to you and where you're at and then also th that mentor figure you know that could even be spiritually you, ne you need someone that you you think oh, I like I like where they're at like what I was saying about mum and that kind of peace that she's at that real contentment mm. you know that's something jesus would love that wouldn't you know that's well isn't that the purpose of life isn't really it? to get that isn't contentment yeah. like i always remember with nancy like like god you know we were flying her first class around the world flying her all over the world first class and and we arrived in dubai into this six star luxury hotel you know and <clears throat> we get in the doors and I have these other mammies with me because it's the third yeah, yeah, series yeah. and these other mammies. And one of them from Glasgow started, but just burst into tears. She was like so moved. She never thought she'd see somewhere so beautiful yeah. and amazing. And the other the other mammy, was, she was crying as well. And they were all really moved. And all I could hear in the background was, uh, wait, can I get the Wi-Fi code? <laughs> and I was like, what? And my mom didn't give a shit. She just wanted to FaceTime her friend. And my mom couldn't care less. Just, it's just another fancy hotel, you know. Just. But isn't that why we all fell in love with her? Because yeah. she just, it just didn't matter. She just had that, I'll give it a go attitude yeah. and let's be in the moment. But but again, like you learn stuff from people. Uh, even I did Wingman last year, or the year before. And I learned so much from watching these people put themselves out there and you know, I had a, a woman, Emma, who'd been through breast cancer and domestic violence and real, like yeah. real hard, hard stuff, you know. And she was, she was, you know, she got into a cage and fought after three months. Mm. You know, even John Kavanagh and Conor McGregor's coach was like, no one's done this. This is madness. Like, this mm. is crazy. I love it. You know, yeah. but but she put herself out there and like I'd had the same with Jimmy, who was a farmer. And he was isolated and, you know, and I watched him get up on a stage. I watched him learn 52 pages of script and they probably never used that part of his brain before, you know. And I watched him fumble all the way up until 
the opening night, the, the one night only, and then just nail it yeah. in front of all these people that knew him. And half of them were probably there to even have a little sneer at him or whatever. And he didn't. He just knocked it out of the park. And yeah, yeah. it's very inspiring to be around people like that. It, it has a it has an effect on you, you know. And you can see it. You can see it. I, I, I loved Wingman. And uh, it's funny that that play that he did um, is written by Malachi, Malachi McKenna, McKenna and I worked love. with Malachi yeah such a gorgeous man I worked with him on Aikino mm. um, so we were on stage in the Olympia together so I went to see that when it was in um, uh, the Paris Court Centre it wow, was one yeah, of the little yeah. lunchtime plays so you're such a, a warm guy you're, you're like you're affectionate in every way and you know this must be tricky for you filming at the moment because I know you're you're filming uh, D- DIY, DIY yeah. SOS, and that that show would normally be lots of, I would imagine, arm around the the person and kind of. Very hard. Is it yeah. really hard? Yeah, I was with um, the Guihan family, who I'm going out on Monday to meet. Or we're going to do the build, so their build got delayed, and they've got two young twins with um, Pfeiffer syndrome. Mm. And they just need to extend their house because it's just not livable. These mm. two little boys are 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 mad as wasps. They're flying around the place. But you have to have an eye on them 24 hours a day. You can't like they have to be watched. And it's exhausting as a parent, you know, and the way the house is designed, they just can't they can't live in it. It's not working for them. Um, and I went down when I was talking to the mum, who's who's a beautiful lady. She kind of broke down in tears and I couldn't, I couldn't, usually I'd be straight in, I'd be straight in with a hug. Yeah. And she said, I want to hug you so bad. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I was just like, I'm so sorry. And you can't do that. And it's re. this is the most difficult part for me as a doing what I do for a living is that I'm very tactile. Yeah. You know, it's how I bond with people, really. I, I become, I get up in their, in their personal space probably too much and I like it, squeeze and a hug and, a, you know, mm. it, all that stuff is important. And the same with the builders, even. I have a good mess with them and and all of a sudden you can't do that. So so that's going to be a learning curve. That's going to be quite difficult, I think, you know. Was there pre-COVID filming and now post? You know what I mean? No, the this middle is of pure it, COVID. Is this it? one is, okay. the other ones uh, yeah. were different, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Um, and they were wonderful. They were mm. like, it's an amazing, like, I'd love to say it's my show. It's not my show, obviously, but but it's um. It's an amazing show, really, really. Yeah. Like, I just walk around hi- hiding behind diggers crying half the time. <laughs> Honestly, I'm in bits, yeah. like, because it's just, like, it's just these real kind of tragic things that uh, that have happened or really, like, the last two, one was a young young woman who, in her 30s, and her husband got a tumour in his, in his head and he was at Christmas and he was dead in 11 weeks and three young kids left behind, the Barry family. And... Um, and that was it, you know, and then it was just her with no insurance or no anything. Jeez, and, yeah. you know, and then to watch like 120 lads from all around Ireland and ladies um, and then come down and basically build a house in nine days for nothing, for, for just for the good of it. I was a blubbering mess. I was like, God, I, th- I think I've said it before. I think I was like, you want to get Darcy or someone that's a bit sterner than me <laughs> down here and do this because I'm not able. I just That's why you're the perfect person for I it. I don't know. I don't no, know. It, it is. I'm, I'm it plan- is. This one, I'm going to keep my shit together. I'm not going to try and No, do you know it. what? Because this is what <laughs> we need. I think this is what we need from our presenters. I think we need more sincerity and more heart and more connection because that's what people connect with it's funny uh, uh, I think Nancy said it to me originally there's a having sympathy for people does feck all mm-hmm. really it mm-hmm. does feckin nothing having empathy towards people 
you know, putting yourself in their shoes and imagining for a moment, taking a moment out of your own life just to to ponder how they must be or how they feel or, you know, the simplest action that you can do, whether it's as an individual or not to use the herd mentality, but but, you know, Mm -hmm. as a group, as a as a society that that we can change. And I think a lot of people now, especially with everything that's gone on, I think people people feel a bit more, you know, you have to because otherwise I I feel like maybe the world just needed a bit of a slap in the face. Do you ever get that feeling? Mm-hmm. Like I was, there was one stage there, I was looking at everything a year or two ago, and I was looking at Trump, and I was looking at everything going on in the world, and all these right wing uh, uh, kind of uh, all these kind of scary political groups all over the world coming into power, and I was like, what the what's going on? Yeah. But sometimes you need that for an explosion for people to sit up and go, well, we don't want that crap again. And I think that's where we're at now. I think as people, we're like, we're going to take care of each other a little more, you know, because because listen, the materialistic crap, honestly, is it's nice. Having nice things is nice. You want a nice Ferrari, your Ferrari's lovely. But after a year or two, your Ferrari's just your fucking car. Yeah. You know, it's got chips and little, you know, fries down the side of the uh, when you went for your drive in. You know, it's just a car. Mm. And it's it's a sugar rush of happiness. Do you mm, get me? It's yeah. the same with any material thing. I, I remember I had an obsession with watches at one stage and then Tanya smashed one of them in the airport by accident. And I was like devastated. Six six months later, I was like, it's, 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 I don't even miss it. Like it's, it's nothing. Yeah. It's, it's not anything of importance. Yeah. You know, you realize. You can't take it with you. Your top 20 moments in, in, in life, they're not going to be, oh, the day I bought me Rolex. You know, they're it's nonsense. They're, they're moments, they're experiences, they're moments you had with family or, or spiritual moments that you took when you saw a sunset. I, that seems really corny, but I'm, I no, mean, there are these moments you'll have in your life that will resonate with you mm. on, on, a, on a deeper level. They're not, they're most definitely not, not um, material moments, you know, and you, you, I think you, you, as you get older, you definitely see that, you know. Mm. You mentioned um, spirituality a few times mm. in the chat what is your what resonates for you now what is your what is your main faith belief you gotta remember I was I have a Muslim father I have a Muslim sister I have uh, you lived in Cairo I lived in Cairo grew up there yeah. um, you know um, my mum is probably the most Roman Catholic person in the world uh, <laughs> uh, I have a Greek Orthodox mother-in-law um, I kind of deal with spirituality like I do say self-help books mm-hmm. right i like self-help books and uh, and development and self-development and all that and and a lot of the time you can read read chapters and chapters and chapters and then you come across one paragraph or one section and you go oh my god that's it, it's something connects you to it and you take that and you go i'm going to take that i'm going to make that part of me and then the rest of the book doesn't mean anything to you and you read another book and something in that connects so i kind of hijack little bits of spirituality from from lots of different religions and understandings that I have you know like like my mum and my sister are both two of the probably um nicest most positive people I know yet they're they've completely polar well not completely polarized in Islam and Catholicism are very similar but but they're different religions you know mm. yet their religion makes them a better person so you've got to ask yourself what's going to make you a better person you know what 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 crutch do you need to help you 
be a better person, be a better version of yourself. It's a brilliant way of putting it. You know, and, and for me, sadly, I don't, I don't, there's too many holes in, in uh, organized religion for me personally, you know. Mm. And funny enough, I remember I getting into a conversation with Nancy before where when we, we were chatting, I was like, what then do like, you like it's oh, you need that crutch to believe you're going to see your mother in some other afterlife, mum. But like, what do doggies go to doggy heaven? Maybe we just rot in the ground. And when I said it, I saw something in her eyes and I just went, why did I say that? Because I'm talking to my arse here. I, I'm just being a dick at the moment. If I can say that, I'm just mm. I'm just arguing for the sake of arguing. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's real or what's not real. You know, like, that's all nonsense. And why should I trample all over my mum's beliefs just to make a point? Do you get me? Just to have it. It's what I thought was being an intelligent debate with her. Like, it wasn't. It was just being being ruthless, you know. And it was the first and last time I ever, ever did that or passed judgment on anyone's belief system, you know, ever. It's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a podcast at the moment and I walked around the Scientology building recently mm. and... They were funny. They were saying, look, you should come and come for five hours and do the tour. And I was like, five hours? That's, <laughs> I give you two hours. How about that? Oh my God, they were lovely. Like, now, now I went back home and started Googling and doing a bit of research. And I was like, holy crap, we've got a lot to talk about when I get you back behind the, the microphone. But but there was a part of me that was like, uh, you know, I understand kind of as parts of what you're talking about here. Parts of what you talk about I like. Uh, you know, parts of what you're talking about I may even steal. But... As a general thing, I don't know what what's the after. I don't know. My my attitude is always, why don't I just try and be the best person I can be and have this journey of self-development so that at some day when it's all over, you know, it'll be all gravy at that stage and we'll all be in heaven. You know, like it's it's what I can only manage this part because I don't know what's next. But I always feel that there's there's some human connection. There's some. There's, do you know what this impression they have in Islam, which I always loved, and it's the reason I couldn't swallow Catholicism, was Catholicism was these Renaissance paintings of a man with a big beard looking, looking like a buffed up Santa sitting on a cloud and reaching out. And, and I was like, mm, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. And maybe because I'm from Egypt and, you know, he's very white looking and, uh, I don't, you know, the bits of it just didn't connect. And then the perception that of Allah is, is, is this thing where... Um, it's everything. You can't hear Allah because you couldn't comprehend what he would say, right? Because it's too above you, too beyond you. But he's the mountains and the, the trees and the universe and the stars, and he's all-consuming. And that made more sense to me, funny enough. Mm. Do you know, that made much, that resonated with me where I was like, I've always felt that something out there, something around me I'm connected to. You know, and then then, of course, I come across another part of Islam and I'd be like, mm, not sure about that bit. But, you know, and this is what I mean by stealing bits, you so know, cherry picking belief systems. I think so. And so putting them all together, putting them all together. And I think what, it's funny, what, are, what are we coming up with? I think the universe is all connected. I think we're all connected. I think we're connected to everything. Like like I said to you at the start of this about having a dog and my dog's head lying on my lap as I'm watching a movie with him. I feel a connection to to an animal and to a creature and I feel it's all connected. I feel it has to be. I've, you know, I've sat in beautiful places around the world. I've been lucky enough to travel the world and see some amazing, amazing places. And I mean from the you know, sitting in the tundra in the Arctic, 250k on my own under the Northern Lights and just, 
seeing the wonderment of that and, and being in the Sahara and, and, you know, these extremities and looking at wonders of the world like the Phnom Penh and Cambodia. And, and I've been in these places and I've had moments where I felt connected to something much, much bigger than than rat mines or wherever I lived, you know, something, just some some bigger connection. So mm-hmm. I believe there's uh, there's some connection out there to to something bigger. But as far as explaining it, I don't know. We'll have to spark up some DMT or something to <laughs> to, to, to to get to the next level. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But you're on a quest by the sound of things. I just think, listen, just try and be the best person you can be. You know, no one's perfect. You're never going to be perfect, but you can strive for it. You know. Yeah. This has been such a gorgeous conversation. I am so thankful. But well, aren't you a gorgeous person, though? You see, it's easy right to chat to you. Easy to chat. After we finish recording this episode, we continue chatting, and I asked Baz if he had manifested the Emmy Award. He told me that Nancy had. Unknown to him, she had written it down on a piece of paper, popped it into an envelope, and after they won the award, she showed it to him. I hope you took as much as I did from our conversation. And if you liked what you heard, please do tell friends or family or let me know what you thought on Instagram or Twitter. You'll find me at Sheila Shoiga. And if you can take a moment to rate, review and hit subscribe, I'd be so grateful. Thanks a million for listening to Ready To Be Real Conversations. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.